Well, as you'll notice behind me, starting a series today called Devoted. Of course, that's based on the word of the year uh, that Pastor James presented to us earlier in January. And, uh, of course, that's based on Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, where we learn really how the early church began or, or in what context the early church started. And what we saw is that as revival sprung up in and around Jerusalem, we learned that they were devoted to several things. And this will be the content of these devoted sermons, those things that they were devoted to in the early church, which, of course, we are to be devoted to as well. So we're going to be reading Acts chapter 2, just verse 42, um, for a second, and then we'll get into things. It reads like this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray that you will open the mouth of your servant to proclaim the word in the power of the Spirit. And we pray that this same Spirit will open our hearts and our ears as we receive your gospel and write it on our hearts. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We know that the church is not a building. It is a people. A people that have put their faith in God, have trusted Jesus for salvation. So we as the church, that's our identity. That is who we are. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We trust him for salvation. And the people of God, and as the people of God, we are devoted. According to Acts chapter 2 that we just read, we are devoted to the word, to prayer, to gathering together, and to fellowship, and to the mission of God, which we actually see later in verse 47 of chapter 2. So the church is a people who understand who God is, who behold him, as we learned last year, who see his worth and his value, and then choose to believe in him and center their lives on him. And then as people who believe, filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, we choose to live our lives devoted to him. And this is what you see in Acts, chapter, Acts chapters 1 and 2. The disciples, they've seen the risen Jesus. They've seen him face to face. They've placed their faith in him. They've trusted in him. And after the Holy Spirit comes and indwells them, Acts 2 tells us how this group of people started to live their lives, and they described it as being devoted. Devoted, of course, to Jesus. That's central. But being devoted to Jesus meant doing certain essential things. And, of course, we see that at the end of chapter 2, things we read like the scriptures, like prayer, like fellowship, like the mission of God. And so that's what this series is going to be about, the series of Devoted. We're going through the book of John right now. Pastor James is. But sometimes we're going to take a pit stop and talk about what we should be devoted to as the people of God. And, of course, the value here at Freedom Village Church, it's up on a banner somewhere. There it is, Christ-centered teaching. We desire to be devoted to the Scriptures, to teach the Scriptures, to preach the Scriptures in such a way that Christ is honored that he has lifted up, that he has worshipped, studied, loved, sought after, and followed. So my goal this morning is to show us what is the result of being devoted to the word of God? 
What is the result of being devoted to the word of God? Why do we do it? We do it because we value who God is. So therefore, we value what he said. So what is a result of that devotion to the word of God? And really, I think you could answer the question in several ways, but the author of Hebrews answers it in one way. What's a result of being devoted to the word of God? The author of Hebrews says, rest. Rest. Rest in trusting and obeying what God has spoken. So what comes of hearing, believing, and trusting in God's word? It's one thing here today that we're going to see. Rest. True rest. And I think we need this reminder today. So often we find ourselves restless. It was Augustine who said our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Augustine knew this from his own experience, and we know it too. The human heart is full of longings. We want to be loved. We want to succeed. We want to be happy. And the longings that drive the human heart differ, but all of us are moved by the desires of our hearts. Our hearts are restless. And that's, why with, that's why we live with constant questions. Some of us are asking all the time, am I a good father? Am I a good mother? Am I, am I a good Christian? Can I deliver what is expected of me? Does anybody care about me? What should I do next? So really what we're going to see today is this, and it'll be up on the screen. We enter true rest as we trust and believe in what God has spoken through the living, piercing, and discerning word of God. So the goal is to enter God's rest. The goal is to receive salvation and peace and joy and confidence of eternal life and forgiveness of sins. If that is to happen, we must believe God, trust God, hope in God, and look away from all our efforts to atone for our sins and rest in the efforts and accomplishments of Jesus Christ. But to believe and trust God, we must first hear from God. We must hear the good news and understand the promises he has made to anyone who will repent and believe, faith is only possible when the word of God's good news is made known and it's heard. So once again, as an aside, that's why this is so important. That's why Sunday service is so important. That's why it's important to be here. What you're going to see actually in the first verse of Hebrews chapter 4 verses 11 through, in verse 11, you're going to see that the author says, let us. He doesn't say, let you. Let me, let us. It's a community project. Seeking truth in the word of God is a community thing. We are to come together both in our missional families and our physical families and here in our Sunday service to learn from God the truth of the scriptures. And really what we're going to see today, the, the, the author's argument is this. We cannot find rest if we do not trust. We cannot trust if we do not hear from God's word. So we cannot find rest if we do not trust. We cannot trust and believe if we do not hear from God's word. So with that, we enter our text in the book of Hebrews. And it goes like this. We're going to read that again, verses 11 through 13. Let us, therefore, strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For or because the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, 
and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So we see right away in verse 11 that the author urges us to strive to enter God's rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So what is this disobedience? It was the failure of the Israelites to hear and heed to God's word. He writes in verse 2 of chapter 4, he says, For good news came to us just as it did to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. We want to be united by faith with those who listen to God's word. Amen? The people of Israel in the Exodus generation simply refused to trust God. They refused to believe him when he made certain promises. They hardened their hearts and mocked him and complained when he promised that he would provide for them in the land. And notice again in verse 2, it says, the good news. That's what they rejected. It was the message or the word that they heard but didn't believe in. And what we're now being told in chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews is to be very careful lest we commit the same kind of sin and fail to put our hope and trust in God's word and promise. So clearly then, the word 4 at the beginning of verse 12 indicates that verses 12 through 13 is giving us reasons or grounds for an obedient, believing response to the call issued in verse 11. In other words, if someone should ask the question, why should I strive to enter God's rest? Why, why should I be careful not to fall into the same sort of disobedience that they did? The answer is given in verse 12, because the word of God is living and active. So let me summarize once again. And then we'll close in prayer. Just kidding. <laughs> shorter than Pastor James, but not that much shorter, both in stature and in length of sermon. Just preach. Okay. So let me summarize. The goal is to enter God's rest. The goal is to receive salvation and peace and joy and confidence of eternal life and forgiveness of sins. If that is to happen, we must believe God, trust God, hope in God, and look away from all our efforts to atone for our sins and look at the efforts and accomplishments of Jesus Christ. But to believe and trust God, we must first hear from him. We must hear the good news, like in verse 2, and understand the promises that he has made to anyone who will repent and believe. Faith is only possible when the word of God's good news is made known. So what is that word of God? It might sound like a basic question, but I think one we need to be reminded of often. And really, wonderful descriptors here in Hebrews chapter 4. So let's take the time. Four characteristics, four things about God's word that you'll notice here in these verses. And number one, it is living God's word is living. There is no other book that imparts life to its hearers other than the word of God. The Bible says that all scripture is by inspiration of God or God breathed. They are the very words of God. And this book doesn't just contain a few words from God. God was so specific with giving us revelation of himself 
and his will for our lives that he wrote it down for us. He inspired it by the power of the Holy Spirit through his followers that pen these books that impart life to us as we open it up and read. The scriptures impart life. The very originals were inspired by God so that the translations that we have today reflect the original manuscripts and impart life to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll mention this as well. All of the scriptures are living. Not just the parts we understand. It's February. And many of us have embarked on a journey to read through the entire Bible in a year. Man, we started in Genesis. Creation. Noah. Abraham. Isaac. Jacob. Joseph. Come on now. And then Moses. We're talking about the, the sea. Come on. Talking about the wilderness wanderings, the Ten Commandments. And about this time in the year, we get to Leviticus. And it can be difficult to understand. But we can't miss any of it. Leviticus lays out for us God's prescription for worship within the Old Covenant. It's so rich, it just takes a bit more digging to grasp. But grasp it, we must. Leviticus is just as living as the Gospel of John. And this is another reason why preaching through the books of the Bible is so crucial. Verse by verse, it's so important because not only do we feel the power of the text every week, because every sermon seeks to be centered on the Gospel, on what the Scripture says, but, it, but it's also effective in showing us how to interpret the Scriptures. Verse by verse, as we read it. We enter his rest, we enter the rest of God, as we are devoted to Christ through trusting and obeying the living word of God. Secondly here, the word of God is powerful. The word of God is powerful. And that's in verse 12. For the word of God is living and active. Living and active. Now this word active that you see here, uh, the root form of it actually means energy. So, so it's active in the sense that it imparts energy and strength to its readers. Psalm chapter 119 verse 18 says this, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law or your word in some translations. And first note that we are not by nature open to what God says to us all the time. We need the gracious work of God's spirit to enlighten our eyes and to illumine our minds and to quicken our hearts to rejoice in and to receive what God has revealed. If the Spirit doesn't anoint the Word and empower our minds to grasp its message, we will find nothing wondrous or beautiful in it. Apart from the Spirit, the Word to us is just a bunch of words that will prove confusing and disheartening to us. We need the illumination of the Holy Spirit as we read, and he, he gives that to us. One, one theologian wrote a poem that reads like this. Let it, speaking of the word of God, let it be the anchor for your soul. Let it be the rock on which you stand. Let it be the compass to guide you through trials and tragic times. 
Let it govern your choices and renew your heart and restore your joy and ground your hope. Build your life on its moral principles. Embrace its ethical and moral norms. Believe what it says about the nature of God and believe what it says about the nature of you. To put it simply, the word of God, close quote, to put it simply, the word of God pulsates with power. It's active and energetic. Not only imparts life, but it imparts energy and strength through the power of the Holy Spirit. It speaks life and power into our current circumstances. We have access to divine power, and it has been imparted to us through the knowledge of Jesus Christ in the Holy Scriptures. So we enter his rest as we are devoted to Christ through trusting and obeying the living and powerful word of God. We'll get to the third characteristic here. It is piercing. The word of God is piercing. It says there in verse 12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. It's compared here to a two-edged sword. There are many ways uh, that theologians and commentators interpret that. Uh, But really what I see is that it cuts both ways. Uh, Sometimes this isn't our view of the scriptures. When we hear certain things said, either at a Bible study or when Pastor James is preaching, our neighbor's sides are in pain because we keep elbowing them. We think to ourselves about all those that this scripture applies to. But it cuts both ways. It pierces our hearts, it convicts, it wounds. When the word of God is opened, it's, it's not always for other people. Instead, consider how the scriptures are to convict you. Let it pierce your heart. Let it teach you. Allow the Holy Spirit, as you hear the word preached and taught, allow the Holy Spirit to, to bring you to a place of conviction where it's needed. And actually, you can go back to Acts chapter 2 for this. Which of course, where we get our theme of the year. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 says this. Now when they, that's the crowd that's listening to the preaching of God's word. As they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And that is the, the overflow of a convicted heart of a true believer. We are ready for action. You feel that conviction, don't just sit here and say, wow, nice sermon. But I'm ready Monday through Saturday to put that to action. What shall we do? What shall I do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And again, the question that the crowd asked was not, what shall they do? What shall that one person do? But it's, what shall we do? They were looking inward in response to the word of God, not outward. So as we enter his rest, as we are devoted to Christ through trusting and obeying the living, powerful, and piercing word of God. And the fourth characteristic here, that the word of God discerns the heart. The word of God discerns the heart. The heart. We'll read verses 12 through 13 once again. For the word of God is living and active, sharper 
than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And when I read this, I immediately think of um, what David wrote in Psalm chapter 139, verses 1 through 4 that read like this. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. We may hide from our neighbors and friends and even from our spouse, but not from God. God cannot be fooled by hypocrisy. He knows what you're thinking now and what you'll think 10 years from now. Um, I was in the state, third to fifth grade. I was in the U.S. for some time. Um, I was actually homeschooled, third to fifth grade. So homeschool is in the house, what, what? All right. <laughs> I was homeschooled third to fifth grade. Loved it. Loved it. Great time. Finished most days about 11.30 a.m. It was great. It was also great for other reasons, you know, family and things, but 11.30 a.m. And um, because of that, there was some freedom in the afternoon. And no telling what a fifth grade boy going to do with that freedom. <laughs> but had it. And um, actually had friends in our neighborhood as well. And we used to build clubhouses and tree houses. Uh, we built one two-story clubhouse in, our back, in my backyard. We had two acres to work with in our backyard. And then we had a creek that sort of outlined uh, the outskirts of our land. And on that creek, there was a tree that came over, built a tree house. It was awesome. Really cool. Um, if you ask me to work with wood now, I'm a spoiled city boy now, so there's probably no chance. Uh, but back then, loved it. Loved it. Um, and I remember we would leave... Uh, we would leave the wood sometimes, like the plywood, the two-by-fours on the ground, and then it'd be dinner time, so it's time to go in. And we'd leave it there, and then maybe it's bedtime after that. So then the next day we come back, the wood is still on the ground, or sometimes it would have rained, even if it didn't rain. The top of that wood seems perfectly fine, right? But when you turn it over, what do you see? Especially if it rained. You turn over that two-by-four, that plywood, When you do it, it reveals an enormous city of bugs and spiders and ants, all dwelling in the dark, undisclosed, damp place, unseen by anyone, and they don't appreciate being uncovered, all running off to cover once the light of day exposes their presence, and many professing Christians live lives where secrets are covered up by darkness. People live in fear that someone someday will lift up the plywood and all will be seen, and that's what the Word of God does. It pulls back the curtain on our souls. It lifts the veil on our thoughts and intentions. It shines a light into the darkness of our hearts and forces us to deal honestly with what is hidden deeply within. The word translated discerning in verse 12 uh, can also be rendered in, in some other areas in the New Testament as judge. So discerning, judge. But he doesn't mean the word condemns. He means the word, he means the word evaluates our thoughts and intentions and weighs them and assesses and analyzes them. 
The word of God penetrates deeply into the most secret recesses of our hearts and brings an awareness of what is there. It's good or bad, sincere or hypocritical, honorable or corrupt. And that's how God works through his word to really protect us from sin and temptation. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, the, the writer spoke of the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceptive when it digs deeply into our hearts and lies to us that we'd be better off without Jesus. And our only hope is that we find something that is powerful enough and sharp enough that it can penetrate through the fog of deception and shed light on my thoughts and intentions and reveal to me the lies that I'm so easily prone to believe. And the one thing through the power of the Spirit that can do that is God's Word. Listen and trust His Word, even when you feel like it will expose things in your heart that you'd rather keep hidden. We enter His rest, we enter the rest of God, as we are devoted to Christ through trusting and obeying the living, powerful, piercing, and discerning Word of God. And I'll finish with this, and then I'm in my seat. We are devoted to the Word of God not because it makes us feel good or bad if we do or do not check it off our list for the day. We are devoted to the Word of God not because we are seeking approval from others in our missional family. We are devoted to the Word of God not even because we are seeking approval or acceptance from God. He loves us just as much yesterday when we did our devotional as he does today when we didn't. We love studying this book. We love teaching and preaching this book because of who it's about. Because I know that he will change your life as he has changed and is changing mine. One of my favorite theologians said it this way. The Bible was not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. Uh, Freedom Village, are you stressed today? Are you worried? Are you restless with various passions? Let's strive to enter God's rest through hearing, believing, and trusting in what God has spoken in his word. Let's pray together and ask the praise team to come up.